أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حيا الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ما يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد Respected elders and dear brothers in the fourth year after Hijrah the Banu Quraiza tribe a Jewish tribe that lived in Al-Madinatul Munawwara had violated the peace treaty that existed between them and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they had attempted to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on two separate occasions don't be surprised by the atrocities and don't be surprised by the inhumane barbaric act of terrorism that they are carrying out against a defenseless people. We are obviously very hurt and it causes us anxiety, it causes us distress, it causes us pain. But don't be surprised because the Jews, they are the murderers of the Anbiya. They have created, they have committed crimes that are far worse than the crimes and the atrocities that they are carrying out presently. They are the ones who murdered Yahya alayhi salam in the compound of Al-Masjid al-Aqsa. They literally slaughtered 
Yahya alayhi salam, they are the ones who hunted down Zakaria alayhi salam as old as he was. They hunted him down until they captured him and they literally slaughtered him. These are the murderers of the Anbiya. After this act of treason and the failed attempt on the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam banished them and they were exiled from al-Madina to Munawwara, the Banu Quraiba. There existed two other Jewish tribe. The other was Banu Qaynuqa and the other was Banu Nadir. My apology. The one that had attempted the assassination was Banu Nadir, not Banu Quraiba. Banu Nadir. Nevertheless, they were banished. They were expelled and they were kicked out from Al-Madinatul Munawwara. And they relocated to an area known as Khaybar. Khaybar was a Jewish fortress. It's approximately 140 kilometers north of Al-Madinatul Munawwara. If you go there today, you will find the remnants of the fortress that existed. And there too, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had conquered the fortress. And time and again, you will hear the slogan, Khaybar, Khaybar, Ya Yahud, Jaishu Muhammad, Sawfa Ya'ud. Remember Khaybar, O Jews. Remember Khaybar. Remember what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Muslims had done to you on the occasion of Khaybar. That same army of Muhammad will do the same to you today. So they were banished to Khaybar. In the next year, 5 AH, they had attempted the most calculated and they had planned a major onslaught and attack against Al-Madinat Munawwara. The leader of the Banu Nadir, Huyay, his name was Huyay ibn Akhtab. Huyay ibn Akhtab is the father of who? Safiya bin Huyay. After the conquest of Khaybar and she agrees to marry Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Her father, Huyay, Huyay bin Akhtab, he is the leader of Banu Nadir. He goes to Makkatul Mukarramah to meet the Quraysh and he incites them to carry out an attack against Madinatul Munawwara. So they start mobilizing envoys and sending prominent figures from amongst their community to meet different tribes and to form alliances to establish a united force against the Muslims and to besiege Al-Madinat Munawwara. They succeeded in gathering a mighty force. So Huyay bin Akhtab, he goes to Makkah, Mukarramah. Another leader, he goes to the Ghatafan, another big uh, tribe and clan that existed. He goes to them, he incites them to carry out an onslaught and he promises them that in return, the Jews of Khaybar will surrender to them 50% of the annual produce of Khaybar. Khaybar, even up to today, it's located in an oasis. So it was one of the biggest producers of date. So they promised that to uh, the tribe of Ghatafan. And they went and met with other tribes around Al-Madinah to Munawwara, Makkah to Mukarraba, and so on and so forth. A mighty force came together. So you had the Quraysh, Banu Ghatafan, many other tribes, smaller tribes as well. You had the Ahabish, the alliance or the allies of the Quraysh, and you had other Arab tribes and so on and so forth, Mushrikeen, polytheists, and the entire Kufr, unit of Kufr. They had developed and they had formed a force with the intention of completely wiping out the Muslims. That was the objective. And we hear them saying it to this day. Nevertheless, they marched. How many were they? 10,000. Significant amount, considering the climate, considering the region. 
10,000 well-equipped. They marched towards Al-Madinatul Munawwara, an unprecedented figure. Our Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa they had employed a certain tactic, the building of the trenches and the digging of the trenches around Al-Madinatul Munawwara. Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een explained their situation on that occasion when they were under siege. And when you study the battle of Khandaq, which is also known as Al-Ahzab, there are many similarities between the situation of the Sahaba because they were besieged. They could not move outside of Al-Madinat Munawwara. So there are many similarities between their situation and the people of Ghazza. Sahaba say, for days on end, we had nothing to eat. They were starving. They were deprived of food. They were deprived of water. From one end, you had the, from the east of Al-Madinat Munawwara, you had the Ghatfan tribe, the Banun Nadir tribe, the Jewish tribe. You had the Hawazan tribe and some other tribe. And then from the west of Al-Madinah to Munawwara, you had the Quraysh, you had the Ahabish, and then you had another Jewish tribe that also violated the treaty with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they were found in one part of Madinah to Munawwara. They were the Banu Quraida tribe. So you had all these forces. The situation was so difficult, it was so tough that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself had nothing to eat. The famous incident that when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa went down into the trench to strike the boulder, Sahaba says he had two stones tightly fastened to his belly to suppress the pangs of hunger. Think about those hungry children and those hungry people in the land of Gaza. Allah Akbar. They've been deprived of the basic, basic essentials and sources of nourishment that you and I take for granted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains this entire scene in the Quran, Surah Al-Ahzab. A chapter that we should try and study. Wallahi, there are certain verses that we read now, and it's as if they were revealed now. There are verses pertaining to jihad. There are verses pertaining to fighting in the way of Allah. Those ideas seemed abstract to you and I. But now with the current situation, it's as if those verses have been revealed in this day and age. For you and I to rekindle and reignite with in us a desire for martyrdom, a desire that we should have. And those martyrs are where you and I want to be. They are rejoicing. They would not exchange anything in the world right now for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed them with. Nevertheless, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains the scene. He says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ جَاءَتْكُمْ جُنُودٌ فَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ رِيحًا All believers addressing the mu'mineen, they were in a very, very difficult situation. They could not see any light. They could not see any way out. They felt that the world has collapsed over them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at that point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed you to enjoy His favor. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a violent wind that completely destroyed the forces in terms of the plans that they had and the objectives that they had in mind. What was their objective? We are going in and we are going to relentlessly attack and we are going to keep bombing and invading until we have completely wiped them away. That's the objective. Allah says, وَمَكَرُوا مَكْرًا They plan, they plot. Their plots and their plan are well recorded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a different plan. And we will see the outcome of the plan of Allah. We persevere, we have sabab, we do what we can, we react in whichever way we can. And much must have already been said on the topic and how we need to react and what we need to do and so on and so forth. And there's so much more that can be said. Nevertheless, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He addresses the believers on this occasion of the battle of Ahzab and Al-Khandaq. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذْ جَاءُوكُمْ مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ وَمِنْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O believers, they came from all sides. They came from the top, they came from the bottom. They besieged. Al-Madinatul Munawwara was under siege. You could not move. You had nowhere to go. وَإِذْ زَاغَتِ الْأَبْصَارِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and your eyes were swerving in horror and in fear. What will happen? Where will the next bomb come from? Where will the next missile hit? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And your hearts were in your throats. Your hearts jumped to your throats. Out of fear, out of horror. Allah says, Over there the believers were put to test. And they were violently shaken. The believers were violently shaken. On that occasion. What we see now is a scene from the seerah of Rasulullah. And it's to remind us of the fact that our worth and our value as an ummah does not lie in our worldly experiences. The world is worthless. It has no value. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not determine our value by something that's worthless. So let not our worldly experience, the unfavorable circumstances that we experience in this dunya, let that not allow us to entertain negative thoughts and opinions about Allah. And Allah says on the occasion of Khandaq, وَتَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ O believers, many amongst you had conflicting thoughts about Allah. Many of you had conflicting thoughts about Allah. We need to ask ourselves, while they are put to test, this is a test of our iman. What thoughts am I entertaining about Allah? So there were different categories, the Mufassirin explained, in the ranks of the believers. You had those who had firm iman, strong iman. And they believed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them victory. Their confidence in the help of Allah was unwavering. And then you had the munafiqeen and the hypocrites who entertained negative thoughts about Allah. They questioned the decision of Allah. They asked regarding the help of Allah and so on and so forth. I need to ask myself that this is a test to determine my level of iman, my level of confidence in Allah. And how do I react to this unfolding crisis in that part of the world? The land of Gaza, it's a very ancient land. Its history spans over 4,000 years. The historians write that إِنَّ غَزَّةَ بِذَلِكَ تَكُونَ مِنْ أَقْدَمِ عَشَرِ دُولٍ أَوْ مُدُنٍ فِي الْعَالَمِ Gaza was one of the first ten civilizations and habitations that came into existence on earth. Who was the first to inhabit Gaza? Who was the first to establish that land, Gaza? It was a Canaanite who was the son of Ham, who was the son of Nuh. And Nuh alayhi salam was one of the very early messengers of Allah. He was number four on the list. And he had a son by the name of Ham. And the man who first inhabited the land of Gaza was the son of Ham, or from the progeny of Ham. Gaza is known as Gaza to Hashim. One of the names of Gaza, Gaza to Hashim. Why is it called Gaza to Hashim? Why is it attributed to Hashim? Who is Hashim? Hashim is the great-grandfather of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the son of Abdullah. Abdullah was the son of Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib was the son of Hashim. Why is it called Gaza to Hashim? Because Hashim, on one of his trade journeys to Palestine, to the land of Palestine, he passed away there and he's buried there. Al-Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah, the great Imam, the founder of the Shafi'i school of thought, he was born in Gaza, 
in the land 150 AH. Gaza is a 41-kilometer territory. In terms of its length, it's 41 kilometers long. And over 10,000 bombs have already fallen on that region. It's about 6 to 12 kilometers wide. Two million people, the most or one of the most densely populated regions in the world. And the word Gaza is derived from a word in Arabic that means to defend. May Allah increase them in that quality. So naturally, we fall into a state of distress and anxiety. But very often, there is a victory that lies in what outwardly seems as a defeat. Study Hudaybiyah. Again, brothers, wallahi, if you just take out time to study Sirah, it gives you such a, such a good understanding of the current situation and what they are experiencing. Rather than spending too much time on the news reports and so on and so forth, which is good to keep ourselves updated. And we know the latest news with regards to what is happening over there. It's time to study Sirah and see how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa dealt with these type of incidents. Because the seerah is full with such events. Consider Hudaybiyah. You know what happened at Hudaybiyah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala majma'in. They marched with the intention, with the desire, with the excitement that they will do Umrah. That yeah, when they get to Hudaybiyah, today it's known as Ashumaysa or Shumaysiyah. When they get there, they are blocked. They are not allowed to enter into Makkatul Mukarramah. Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala majma'in are disappointed. And then there is a treaty that is, that is signed between Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the enemy. And outwardly it seems as if the treaty favors the enemy. Sahaba cannot believe what they are experiencing. And they cannot believe what's unfolding and happening in front of them. It seems like a defeat. And they are returning back to Medina to Munawwara. They are disappointed. They are disheartened. They are in a state of distress and anxiety. And which verse does Allah reveal? On the way back to Medina to Munawwara. O Muhammad, we have allowed you to enjoy a great conquest and victory. It's about you and me. What, what role am I going to play? The responsibility of preservation of Aqsa is the collective responsibility of the Ummah. They are doing their part. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith, and we congratulate them, we celebrate them. And brothers, Aqsa belongs to us. It will come back to us. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa has said it. It will come back to this Ummah. We need to persevere. Allah will grant it to us. But what am I, what am I to do? We all want to know what do I do? How can I help? Firstly, I have a responsibility towards the liberation of Al-Aqsa. Rasulullah SAW said about those people who are physically and literally sacrificing everything that they have. لا تزال طائفة من أمتي. Rasulullah SAW said there will always be a group from my Ummah. A group of Mujahideen from my Ummah. على الدين ظاهرين. They will remain firm upon Deen. Ask yourself a question. Did any one of them abandon their Deen? Not a single one of them. They are holding... They are holding children in their arms who have been martyred and who have been killed. And you hear them saying what? Alhamdulillah. Allah. What level of Iman? Again, coming back to the verse. What thoughts am I entertaining? What opinions am I entertaining regarding what is happening over there? It's important for me to ask myself the question to gauge the level of my Iman. Rasulullah says there will be a group of Mujahideen. Al-Deeni Bahireen. لعدوهم قاهرين. They will, they will strike fear in the hearts of the enemy. لا يضرهم من خالفهم. Whoever opposes them will not cause them any harm. But Rasulullah says, إلا ما أصابهم اللأوى. But they will suffer. They will experience suffering. They will experience loss. Worldly sufferings, worldly loss. Again, what did we say? 
Our value as an ummah is not determined by our worldly experience. Our value as an ummah, our worth as an ummah is determined by how we perform in akhirah. Keep that in mind. Because Rasulullah said it. Rasulullah says, Inna ummati hadihi ummatun marhumah. This ummah of mine is at the center of the divine love, providence, mercy of Allah. The question comes to mind. If we are at the divine, if we are at the center of the divine mercy of Allah, then why the suffering? Why the loss? Rasulullah answers the question. What does it mean we are at the center of Allah's mercy? In this world, Rasulullah says, That answers the question. My value, our value as an ummah, our value as the followers of Rasulullah our worth is determined by akhirah, not what happens in this world. Rasulullah says, Inna adabaha fi dunya, my ummah will suffer in the dunya. How? Rasulullah says, Az-Zalazi, earthquake, natural disaster will affect my ummah. Rasulullah says, Al-Fitan, they'll be tested. The iman will be tested. It's a test of iman. What we are witnessing and experiencing, it's a test of our iman, our confidence in the promise of Allah. And Rasulullah says, Al-Qatr, my ummah will be killed. So Rasulullah says about this group, he says that no one will be able to, to oppose them. And those who oppose them will not cause them any harm. Sahabas, where are they, Ya Rasul of Allah? Where can we find them? Rasulullah says, Bi Baytil Maqdis. Wa bi aknafi Baytil Maqdis. They'll be in the land of Palestine and the surrounding lands of paradise. So they are the divinely chosen custodians of Allah. A very special people in the sight of Allah. May Allah be with them. May Allah help them. May Allah grant them victory. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to contribute towards that struggle. I'll leave you with two things. Two things. Number one, oppose the Jews. Oppose them. Rasulullah Throughout his life, we learned of what a treacherous people they are. They are the murderers of the prophets of Allah. They attempted to murder and assassinate our Nabi on two separate occasions. Rasulullah kept on reminding the Ummah, Khaliful Yahud, Khaliful Yahud, Khaliful Yahud, oppose the Jews, oppose the Jews, oppose the Jews. Now is the time to oppose them. In what I do, in what I say, in how I act, in how I dress, in what I eat, in where I eat. Oppose them in everything, in every aspect of your life. And number two, brothers, it's a time for us to reflect over our indulgence. Can I be overindulging when there are people in that part of the world who are deprived of water and food, whose homes have been blown to slimmery? Can I be overindulging in the walima that I host, in the wedding that I have, in my eat out when I go to a restaurant, when planning my holiday at the end of the year? I'm not saying don't do it. It's time we downgrade. It's time we downgrade. Rasulullah says, and I leave you this hadith, Wallahi la yu'min, Wallahi la yu'min, Wallahi la yu'min. He said it thrice. Rasulullah said to the Sahaba while seated with them, Rasulullah says, Wallahi, that man has no iman. That man has no iman. That man has no iman. Who are the of Allah? Who are you talking about? Rasulullah says, the one who goes to sleep with a belly full of food while others have nothing to eat. I, I can't keep on living the way I have been living after witnessing a part of this ummah suffering the way they are suffering. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them izzah, grant them honor, grant them victory. For a believer, victory lies in shahad and martyrdom as well. So both ways, it's a win-win situation. يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ The true mujahideen. Allah says, they will fight in the way of Allah. They'll kill the enemy and they too will be killed. Both ways, it is a win-win situation. May Allah grant us the understanding.